0: heights to the depths of the sea
1: and jesus said to them i am the bread of life and he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst now he combines this idea of thirst and hunger together the woman at the well with the the living water and now jesus being the bread of life he's both of those things he who believes in me jesus said will never hunger he who believes in me also will never thirst
0: All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the Welcome everyone to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. With snow. Jesus answered their fourth request of, Lord, give us this bread always. In Jesus' answer, he hoped to lift up their eyes from material bread and earthly kingdoms and on to spiritual realities. They needed to put their confidence in Jesus instead of in material bread. He said to them, I am the bread of life. Jesus explained that one who comes to him, that is, receives him, believes upon him, will find his spiritual hunger satisfied in Jesus. Now let's join Pastor Rob with our lesson for today.
1: Let's open our Bibles this morning to John chapter 6. Very lengthy chapter. And there's a lot here, and this is a pretty significant chapter. As Jesus just reveals to his disciples, to the world really, that he is the bread of life. And as I consider that, you know, when we think of... Excuse me, we think of the bread of life. It reminds me in Deuteronomy, you recall that Moses, when he spoke to the children of Israel before they went into the promised land, he said to them that God had humbled them and he allowed them to hunger and he fed them with manna, which their fathers did not know. Neither did they know that he might make them know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. From the mouth of God. Isn't it true that the food, the things that we eat, the things that we see all around us, everything is temporal because we live in a physical universe, but we know that there is a spiritual universe which ultimately encompasses all of it. In fact, I believe that everything that is physical is a representation, if you will, of the spiritual entities around whatever that is. In certain cities, you can see it. You can go in and you can tell when there's order in a city. Everything is nicely groomed, usually. And, and of course, you can't always bet on this if you're a betting person, which I'm not. But you, you can't always, this doesn't always work, but when you see order and you see Uh, people being cared for, and laws being upheld. There's order, and it shows in the physical realm all around you, wherever that is. But you go to other places, and you see just a total breakdown, and you understand that there's elements here that are behind the scenes that are evil. And and of course, those elements are always evil, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Even in the natural, there's a... um, uh, a way of those things showing themselves, making themselves manifest in the physical realm. But the physical realm is only here. We only enjoy that for a short period of time. In fact, most of us, you know, if we live to be 70, 80, 90, and some even maybe 100, you are blessed because you've lived a long time here in the flesh. But what is that, honestly, in comparison to eternity, the Bible tells us that it is like a vapor. Our, our life here is but a vapor. It's here and it's gone tomorrow. Like the grass that grows up in the morning and the evening, it's hewn down and thrown into the fire. It's, it comes and it goes. And the older we get, the we see this in family and we see it in friends. And it brings a gravity, doesn't it, to our lives. It brings a gravity to our own relationship with Jesus. Because we realize that, Lord, you can feed me and you've been providing for me all this time, but I know that you've provided for me well beyond the physical. You've, you've prepared a place for us. Isn't that what he told his disciples before he left? On that night that he had the last supper with him, what did he tell them? I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. Jesus has prepared a place and we will be with him forevermore. And we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye, putting off this old body, this body of the flesh, receiving a new body like the body of Jesus, which is a celestial body, one that can withstand any temperature, one that can withstand anything, one that has the ability, evidently, as we see in the Gospels, to appear and disappear at will, one that can eat but doesn't need to eat one that can withstand the very brightness and the holiness of God and the presence of him forevermore. I'm looking forward to that new body. Everyone in the hospitals today ought to be looking forward to that new body. If they know Christ, they're going to receive that body that's going to be with him forever. And hopefully they will all receive Christ. But remember, Jesus gives us so much more than the physical. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 4, after Jesus was baptized, it says that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he fasted. And the devil tested him out there in the desert. And one of the testings, you remember, after not eating or drinking for 40 days, let me tell you, you do that, only God can sustain you. (laughs) And God sustained the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. But the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, or since you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And Jesus answered him. And here's our verse for the day. He said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There is a big difference between the physical and the spiritual. And today we are going to be looking, and hopefully finishing this chapter as we take communion looking at this idea of Jesus being the bread of life. Certainly he was, he cares for our physical needs. He delights to do so because he made us this way. He created us into this world and he takes care of us. Has he taken care of you? Has he been faithful in taking care of you all these years? Have you really gone without for any length of time? I mean, maybe you've Had a, you know, you you squinted a little bit when the rent wasn't quite due when you were younger, but as you get older and more established, has he really ever left you in the lurch? He's never left me in the lurch. Even though I've been challenged, and as many of you have as well, even though he has always been there for me and he's always been there for you, he is Emmanuel, God with us. He will never leave us, even to the end of the age. Amen. Look with me with verse 32. We, we picked up here. We'll pick up here from last week. Remember, Jesus had performed the miracle on the western side of the Sea of Galilee in a place called Bethsaida. Now he tells his disciples to go over. He walks on water to get over there, following them in the third or fourth watch of the night. He finally gets over to Capernaum on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, and the people follow him there. And when they find him, they, they, you know, Jesus kind of upbraids them for the fact that they were just looking for a meal. And he doesn't have a problem with feeding people. But when their motivation is to crown him as king because he's fed their stomachs and, and, and their expectation of him was even more than that. They wanted someone, remember, to deliver them from the yoke of Rome. And so their motives weren't quite right. Jesus had to kind of set the record straight to show them that, hey, I'm not here to be a military conqueror. Not yet. There's coming a time when he's coming back. When he comes back in his second coming, oh my, no military conqueror has ever seen anything like this. What's going to happen? But for that time, he didn't come to do that. He came to save the souls of men and women who were lost in their sin and and their depravity. And he was their sustenance. If they would hear it, he would be everything to them. He said, I am the bread of life. I am meant something to the Jew. And we'll look at that as we go. But let's look at verse 32. So at this time, when he was over in Capernaum, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you this bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Notice this life that Jesus gives is spiritual life. It's eternal. It's not physical. It's not temporal. And again, certainly God has created us and he sustains us physically. But he's saying, I've got something more for you than just this earthly form. I've got something more for you. In John chapter 4, if you remember, uh, a month or so ago, we were in that chapter. And the woman at the well, Jesus said to her, give me something to drink. And she said to him, how how are you, being a Jew, asked to drink for me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman goes on and she says, um, you know, give me this water, still thinking again in the physical. We're so hung up on the physical. And I guess we got to be careful here because we do live in a physical world. We can't just think spiritually and be, you know, have my head in the clouds so much that I'm no earthly good. I mean, we live in the physical, so we have to deal with the physical. But we also ought to be thinking about what's happening after this physical life has expired. And most people don't give a thought to that until they're on their deathbed. And then they're crying out to God, and God will receive you if you're genuine and your heart is broken and you're really repentant. He will receive you. But Jesus goes on and tells this woman after this, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of living water springing up into everlasting life. And she said, Sir, give me this water, still thinking in the physical, not understanding the ramifications of the spiritual reality of what Jesus was doing. And so when we think about living water and we think about the bread of life, it's speaking of the same thing. It's speaking of something other than something physical. It's speaking of the spiritual life that God wants to give us. Through the regeneration, through the, re- through the rebirth, the new birth, being born again of the Spirit of God. Are you born again this morning? Have you recognized that Jesus is the bread of life? That he is your sustenance? That he is your everything, actually? Notice what they said to him back in our text in verse 34. Lord, give us this bread always. A very similar response to the woman at the well. And Jesus said to them, I am... The bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now he combines this idea of thirst and hunger together. The woman at the well with the the living water. And now Jesus being the bread of life. He's both of those things. He who believes in me, Jesus said, will never hunger. He who believes in me also will never thirst. And I love the fact that Jesus came from Bethlehem. Do you know what Bethlehem means? The very name means house of bread. House of bread, that's what it means. And here he is, the one who was born into the world, the Savior, the Logos, the one who became flesh, the word that became flesh. He is born in a town called the house of bread. He being the bread of life. Come down from heaven to give life to the world. And yet the prophets spoke all about this. And Micah, we know. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth the one to be ruler in Israel, Israel whose going for us are from old, from everlasting. That's Jesus, the bread of life, from Bethlehem, the house of bread, Jesus, the bread of life. And when he says, I am the bread of life, this is significant because there are, this is the first of the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Throughout the Bible we know that Jesus, or that we see that the Lord saying of himself that he is the Lord God of our fathers. He said, I am the Lord God of your fathers. I am the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am even the Rose of Sharon. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the valley. Make straight the way of the Lord but here in the Gospel of John, we see these seven new and they're very unique statements. I am the bread of life. This is the first one. I am the light of the world, he would say later. And then I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the good shepherd. Isn't there, is there any other shepherd better than Jesus? I love him for that. He's always bringing me in and out and taking care of me. Giving me everything I need. A good shepherd does that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way. He even shows us the way. He's the truth, embodied in truth. He is truth embodied, and he is the life. There's no other life outside of him. And then he goes on and he says, I am the true vine. I'm the one who gives you sustenance. The very root of the tree is bringing sustenance and life to the branches and the the leaves. He is the true vine. He is the one, and we need to abide in him. Amen. But I love when he says, I am. And this is significant because we know that in Exodus, when Moses was in the far side of the desert, Jesus met him in that fiery bush that was not consumed. And and, and God was challenging Moses to go and tell the children of Israel that he was going to deliver them. And Moses says, who am I going to say who sent me? Who am I going to tell them that's that's the, the authority behind this? And Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, what is your name? What shall I say to them? And God said to them, I am who I am. I am mean, whatever you need, whatever it is that you need, I can be all of that and much, much more. I love the Lord. Do you love him? Has he been taking care of you? Whatever you need, he's taking care of you. If you'll receive it, some people stick their hands out and say, no, I can take care of this myself. And you know, he's such a gentleman, he's not going to force himself on you. But for the person who is wise, for the child of God who's got wisdom, they will cry out to God humbly and receive all that God has for them. And Jesus here was affirming, of course, his deity. And with Jesus, the search is over, isn't it? Is the search over for you, or are you still searching for something? Are you still trying to fill that God shaped hole in your heart, the Jesus shaped hole in your heart that everyone is trying to fill with material possessions, good careers, uh, wives and husbands, and and good you know fun things and recreation and material possessions. Let me tell you, at the end of that stuff is is, is those are fine and good, all of that, but at the end you've. you've It's all empty without Christ, without an understanding that he's given all those things for you to enjoy. Enjoy them without guilt, but understand this, that they cannot fulfill you ultimately. You must come to Christ. In fact, what did Peter say? We're going to see this later on in this this chapter. Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Is there any place else we should, we should go? The search is over for these guys. They found the Messiah. They found God Almighty. He says, you have the words of eternal life. And also, we believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he, do you understand that many have searched by going to the watchtower of the Jehovah's Witnesses. They've searched the Mormons. They've gone to Buddha. They've gone to Allah. Some went to Jim Jones in the early '60s and '70s. Some went to David Koresh. Some went to the Beatles. Some experimented with crystals and marijuana, and they're doing that today in New York State, experimenting with marijuana, trying to find themselves. They're never going to find themselves. Many have searched and searched for drugs. Sex and rock and roll, and thought that they could find their fulfillment, but it never, ever fulfills. It only digs your grave deeper and deeper and deeper. Come to Jesus, and your search is over. Amen. Back in our text, it says, "But Jesus said, "I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do and yet do not believe, and all that the Father gives me will come to me." And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Don't you love that? He'll never refuse you. No matter what you've done, even the most wicked in our culture, in history, some of the most wicked have come to Christ, and God receives them. And that's a stumbling block for some people. Because they're thinking, if God will forgive that man for all the horrible deeds that he's done, then I can't worship a God like that. Well, you make your decision. But you ought to be thankful that God is so gracious. Because you one day are going to stand before him with all of your sins. And what is your? who is going to be your advocate? If it's not Jesus, there's no one. You're left alone in the dark. And you'll be cast into outer darkness and hell that burns forever and ever. Be thankful that God is so gracious. We need to think like God, not have him think like us. Aren't you glad that God doesn't think like us? He says, verse 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Notice Jesus' true origin. Verse 39, he says, This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all that he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Are you concerned as to whether you are one of Christ or not? He hasn't lost any. Are you concerned that you might be lost? If you are, then receive him today into your heart. Whether you're here or whether you're online or whether you're going to hear this on the radio weeks or months from now, today is the day. You have to receive Christ. Receive him if you're concerned about that, and you should be. Receive him today. Worship him. Spend time with him. Abide in him. Trust him. Obey and cherish him. Isn't he wonderful? Can I get a hallelujah? I feel a little Baptist this morning. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Yes yes, if you are in Christ, guess what? you are secure, wonderfully secure. your salvation is assured on the merit and the work of yourself no it's assured by the work of Christ. John chapter 10 and I would encourage you if you maybe we'll start putting these slides up on the uh, on the podcasts and all that stuff so you can on our website so you can see them but if you want any of these things, just email me or text me and I'll send it to you, okay? Or, or write these things down as you go through it again, as you listen to it again. But notice in John chapter 10, your, your, your salvation is secure once you are in Christ. John, in his gospel in chapter 10, Jesus said in the 27th verse, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them, notice, I give them, Jesus says, eternal life that they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone anyone, snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one, no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Are you wonderfully secure in Christ? Once you're in Christ, you are secure. Are you secure this morning? I pray that you all are, and if you're not, it's only a, it's only a prayer away. You can be Sure, you can have the assurance of salvation. That's what the Bible is all about. It teaches the assurance of salvation. Because what God does is, is right. What God does is good. Yes, I can mess it up, but God is greater than I am. He responds to my heart and my prayer. And sometimes my actions just don't add up. But God even forgives me for my actions when i confess them and he says son i love you and you're one of mine daughter you're one of mine and of all your faults and problems and things that you've done even this very day i forgive you will you confess your sin and come to me and receive everlasting life that you'll never thirst again will you do that will you it's an act of the will i have to engage with my will it's not a um some kind of You know, intellectual assent. This is a real faith in God. You are secure, and he's lost none.
0: That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John.